1: View Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed today. Uh, the topic for today is A Ray of Light and Darkness, the Heroic Story of the Oma Family. They're up for canonization, and it's a very powerful story. We're blessed to have Sophia Maret. Sophia is Director of Intercultural Ministry for the St. John Paul II National Shrine in Washington, D.C. Special welcome to you today, Sophia.
2: Hello, Father. Thank you for having me.
1: So I've visited the shrine, a number of our listeners, hopefully visit the shrine, and if not, by the end uh, they will. The the type of exhibits and high-quality exhibits you have, especially to tell the story of John Paul II and the story of the saints, maybe just do a a brief overview of of what people encounter in the shrine before we get into the story of the Alma family.
2: Yes, sure. So as you know, we are a shrine in Washington, D.C., we are dedicated to the life and teachings and, of St. John Paul II. As a shrine, our first our first goal is to really get our pilgrims closer to God and to encounter God in different liturgies. We have Mass, daily Mass. We do have the Sisters of Mercy serving there, and we pray the Divine Chaplet every day. But also, as Wonderful. you said, we do have a big exhibit on the lower floor dedicated entirely to the life of John Paul II and his papacy, an incredible experience. I don't know if, Father, you've been there.
1: I have to say John Paul II was so influential in my life and really in my priesthood. I remember World Youth Day was pretty life-changing. I remember having the flu and being stuck at home, uh, and I saw EWTN had World Youth Day on TV, and I was so taken, and I was like, John Paul II gathering all these young people. It was this experience of I just didn't know I didn't have categories for it, and he was so inspiring. Here he's making himself accessible to young people. Here he's just highlighting the faith that Jesus Christ is alive, that there's a a different way of living, and I remember just so moved by his story. I remember when I went down to your shrine a number of years ago, It just, you know, seeing the movies just brings you back to that moment. Obviously, he came to Washington, D.C., he came to Baltimore, he came to multiple places in the United States, so... No question. He is a, a hero to many and continues to inspire many. So it's really a great blessing. So that's one of the great blessings of the shrine that I've always appreciated. For
2: me, it's transformative. Every time I go there, there's something new to learn. It's a real blessing to be able to see uh, in a condensed way everything that John Paul II stands for and everything that he did for the church and for the contemporary world in general. So, yes, Mm -hmm. I hope uh, our listeners can come if they've not been there yet. And we receive groups in pilgrimage, families, individuals. We're open every day. It's free to come. So I would encourage each and everyone that's listening to come. Uh, we also have first-class relic of John Paul II. It's in one of our chapels. So that it, it's really a whole, a, a very complete experience. When you come there, you can learn, you can pray. I think everyone that comes takes something away with them.
1: And I remember a number of years ago, I went to your, your exhibit on St. Thomas More, and it was phenomenal. It was like so top-notch of just the experience of learning about St. Thomas More and, and just the saints. But let, let's focus a little bit more specifically. Here we have this family, the Olma family. Can you give us an introduction to who are the Olma family and why are they significant?
2: Yes. Well, the the Olma family, family who was martyred in 1944 by the Nazis for uh, hiding Jews, at the time in Poland, they are a Polish family. At that time, hiding Jews was punished by dead. And as soon as we, they, they're not sure what happened. Probably some of the, someone in the village told the police that they were hiding some Jews, and they came. The Nazis came, and they killed not only the Jewish fam, family that was hiding there, the mother and the dad, Joseph and Victoria, but also the six children. and And they were on September 10th. Pope Francis considered them as being martyrs, martyrs for the faith. Even the, wow. the the unborn baby that Victoria was carrying at the time, uh, yes. it it was considered, I think, that it was a baptism by blood. Mm-hmm. The baby might have started to be born at the time because of the stress that Victoria suffered. And he's the first baby to be beatified by the wow. Catholic Church. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's fascinating. So, yeah, some of the accounts said they were betrayed by a Polish police officer.
2: I was going to say that's what they say.
1: Mhm. And and tell me more about tell me more about the specifics. So here obviously you're in Nazi Germany. Here there there these were friends of theirs. There were two Jewish families, seven people in total. You know, you had Saul Goldman who was seventy hiding with his two sons, you had Golda Grunfield and her sister and their, and and her sister's daughter. That here he was they were hiding them in the attic. And then uh, did you have any sense in your research about uh just what was their motivation specifically for, for hiding these Jewish families in their home?
2: Well, I, I think the first thing that I would like to say is, as you said, or as I mentioned, hiding Jews at the time was was punished by death in Poland. That was not, yes. so it was really, already to be hiding a Jewish family was already a huge sacrifice and a huge risk yes. for the family. And they were not the only ones to do it. In Markova, in the city where, a small village where they lived, there were other families. Now, I, I can't remember how many of them that were saved by their neighbors but who went who gave them refuge even knowing even after they saw the massacre of of the Uma family so just to highlight wow. that the Uma family i mean they 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 did sacrifice themselves for their neighbors but there were also many of them who survived but were as willing to sacrifice themselves and their families for their neighbors and mm-hmm. so so much so that the 24th of March has been declared in the Republic of Poland as the day that remembers post saving Jews. And there's also a museum. And the exhibit that uh, we're going to open now in the shrine, it's a lone exhibit, it's a combination, but a part of it comes directly from Poland, from that museum. And it not only talks about the Uma family, but also mentions other families at the the time in that same village that were also willing to sacrifice themselves and survive. did not die, but were willing to die for their neighbors. Wow. And so as for motivations, I think the only thing, of course we don't know anything about them. I mean, the only thing we know is about, is from the objects that were recovered from their houses. The exhibit that we are going to present takes a lot of the pictures and photographs that Joseph took of the of his own family. He was an amateur right. photographer. And in one of these objects, there was a Bible and it had highlighted the Good Samaritan parable. And I think it was there when it says, yes, a, a small yes, handwritten. So we know that this sacrifice was very conscious on their side. And they, that's why the exhibit is called The Good Samaritans of Markova. And, and that title was given by the Polish Museum because wow. they saw themselves. They, they were acting by the example of the Good Samaritan, very consciously.
1: I remember when I first read that, that said they had underlined that story of like, the parable of the Good Samaritan in their Bible, and that motivated them. I mean, talk about how – and I thought that was wonderful how you're sharing, Sophia, how both – again, they were inspiring it and they inspire us, but there are others, and sometimes there's unnamed people that put their life at risk, were to serve this the solidarity with the Jews, a very beautiful thing mm-hmm. of saying that governments or rulers don't define how we respond to people that are, are witness of love. That it's shaped by Jesus Christ and His words and obviously His parables. How beautiful!
2: Wow. It is a beautiful. It is a beautiful. Example. And the more I read about it, the more I read about them, the more I I, I learn about them and as of their example. I myself, I have children, and so their example as a family, as how can you really sacrifice yourself as a family and and be in the word and not of the word, but as a family and not just individuals. But just building that domestic church, I think that's the very, yeah, the example that the Oma family can can give us today.
1: Yeah, there's something very beautiful. And if if parents are the first teachers of their children in the ways of faith, what a heroic witness of saying, you know, children, this is more important. We're willing to put our our family at risk for the sake of people in need. Like that, talking about living the gospel is so moving, so moving.
2: No, I was saying that in our In the display, we are taking the panels that come directly from Poland, from the ULMA Ulma Museum, and we are also combining it with some quotes from St. John Paul II, really to show, first of all, that his own experience living in Poland during that time is also shaped by many families, as we were saying, that were willing to risk everything for their neighbors. And he himself mentions repeatedly how this really shaped his understanding of, of the Catholic faith, seeing this heroic witness of faith, in the time of the Nazi occupation, uh, but also how the Uma family enacts all that he has taught us about the family. He's he's the Pope of families, mm-hmm. and he says that, that families are are the future of the society and really ca- as the cornerstone for a civilization of love. And I mean, the Uma family really shows a family that was willing to go to the, the, to the extremes for that love.
1: And and those are beautiful witnesses, especially literally at the title of this program, A Ray of Light and Darkness, A Ray of Light and Darkness. And obviously there were others that were a witness of this as well, but here to raise up Joseph and Victoria Ulma, and they're really a family of nine, counting the unborn child. What a beautiful grace. Well, we are blessed to be speaking with Sophia Moret, from the St. John Paul II National Shrine in Washington, D.C. In our second segment, we're going to continue the discussion about the family and the significance and the, the gift of of these witnesses that, and how they inspire us, and also talk about the importance of just really family, initiating pilgrimages, day pilgrimages, especially for those within a reasonable distance to make pilgrimages, and that's one of the gifts that we have that we can initiate and do to share faith and inspire, uh, really to encourage people in faith and help inspire them. So. So we'll be back in a moment. My name is Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio. May God bless you.
3: Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Catholics will have the opportunity to obtain a plenary indulgence from December 8th, the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary, to February 2nd, 2024, the Feast of the Presentation of Jesus Christ in the Temple. The key to this spiritual privilege lies in prayer before a nativity scene at a Franciscan church, a tradition inspired by St. Francis himself, who crafted the inaugural nativity scene in Greccio, Italy, in 1223. As part of the celebration of the 800th anniversary of the inception of the Nativity scene in Greccio, the Conference of the Franciscan Family sought the approval for a plenary indulgence by, quote, visiting the churches run by Franciscan families throughout the world and stopping in prayer in front of the Nativity scene set up there, end quote, which Pope Francis granted. In the Archdiocese of Baltimore, the indulgence is available by visiting a Nativity scene at several churches under the care of the Franciscans. In other news, Pope Francis said he has decided to be buried in Rome's Basilica of St. Mary Major instead of in St. Peter's Basilica at the Vatican, and that he has simplified the rites for a papal funeral. In a December 12th interview with Mexican news outlet N+, the Pope, in good humor, discussed plans for his own funeral, as well as the trips he still hopes to complete during his pontificate. Breaking with recent tradition, Pope Francis said he has chosen to be buried at the Basilica of St. Mary Major because of his, quote, very strong connection, end quote, with the church, where he often prays before the Marian icon, Salus Populi Romani, translated Health of the Roman People, which is displayed in the Basilica before and after his international trips to entrust his safety to Mary. For more on these and other stories, visit catholicreview.org. You can also subscribe to the Catholic Review's e-newsletter by texting the letters WMET to 84576 or visit catholicreview.org. For everyone at Catholic Review Media, happy holidays. I'm Kevin Parks.
0: This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to
1: Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed to continue this whole talk, Array of Light and Darkness, the heroic story of the Ulma family. You have Joseph and Victoria and really a family of nine that were martyred ultimately for hiding several Jewish families in their house in, in Poland, in southeastern Poland. So we're here with Sophia Maret. She's the Director of Intercultural Ministry and the St. John Paul II National Shrine in Washington, D.C. Welcome back, Sophia. Thank you, Father. So in our first segment, again, we just kind of got immersed a little bit about the shrine and a little bit about this exhibit. But I want to continue this conversation. So here we're uh, – it's one of the first – there's a lot of firsts. A lot of first around this family, this family that's beatified on september tenth there's the first of this is the first unborn baby. Can you speak mm-hmm. to this exhibit's going to be open in January? Speak to the significance of this this timing of having this exhibit in january
2: well as you yes you said this uh, this family that were beatified together, one of them is unborn baby that Victoria might have started to give birth to when she was martyred, and this is the first baby to be beatified the first unborn baby to be beatified. So we really wanted to to be able to put this together for the march for life because of the significance that we think it has for the march, for the fact that they were beatified as a family, and and not only just for just the fact that they this was a this is a blessed uh, unborn baby, but also the fact that what we are thinking and the way well at least when I'm as i starting to immerse myself in the history of, and the story of the Umas. It's really mm-hmm. very clear that when you see how the pictures and the photographs of how they were living their daily life, that because mm-hmm. they were able to see the the dignity of the human person in each and every baby and each and every person, each and every children yes. that they had seven in the nine years of marriage, they were able very naturally to extend their hand also and see the human the the dignity of of their neighbors, the Jewish neighbors that were being persecuted. It was really. Easy for them in in that way because they were already living this heroic life of virgin a very a very ordinary life in a very extraordinary way and mm-hmm. you really can I don't think that you can really separate these two things right because they were already holy as a family they were able to extend that to their neighbors to their community and this is really what uh, also what John Paul II calls us to do right the family can extend the civilization of love yes. to their neighbors to the community. Mm-hmm.
1: How beautiful. And the fact that it was just, just so moving. This it, it, was, it was a Jewish Christian martyrdom. I mean, that's, that's uh, the fact that it was connected together and, and how beautiful, beautiful the connection and, and a witness of love and sacrifice and courage. Like, I can't, I mean, it's just so moving.
2: One of the photos that we have in the in the panels that were loaned to us by the Ulma Museum uh, shows one of the photos that Joseph Ulma took of the, Jewish, of the two Jewish girls that were hidden by them. And he has the blood of the people that were killed that day because that 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 photograph was there was rescued from the the house so in wow. its very object it shows how this connections right
1: mm-hmm. so beautiful tell me more about so at the exhibit itself you were saying something about there will be relics can you speak to that of what's going to be at the exhibit for those who visit
2: yes well so i think this is like the big surprise and the big highlight of the exhibit so as you if you picture the shrine as you enter this is a long whole way, you you will see and get to know the, the the Uma family in their daily life, and with photos and documents, and intertwined with some quotes of that of John Paul II on the family, on 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 our Jewish brothers and and his own experience. But then when you get to the end, we this leads to our chapel where you will see the relic of the permanent relic that we have, a first class relic of John Paul II alongside the first relic to be available of the nine members of the, available here in the U.S. of the nine members of the UMA family. So nine, it has the remains of all nine of them in one uh, only reliquary, and it will be available for veneration as long as the display is on. The reliquary in itself is very special. It's a replica of the one that was used at the beatification mass in Poland, and it comes directly wow. from Poland as well. It shows the Tree of Life and the nine members of the Uma family oh, with their house oh. and yeah, <laughs> it's a beautiful wow. reliquary. We're, we're extremely blessed to be able to to have that and even to to be able to present to our pilgrims the opportunity to to venerate both John Paul II's relic alongside the the whole Uma family. I think it would be an incredible experience.
1: I, I mean. That's uh, we have obviously the, the the relics of you know Monica and Augustine together. It was a a mother and a and a, a son. You have Saint Teresa's parents canonized. But The fact you have a whole family and a reliquary of a whole family like that is unprecedented. Relics of all nine children and the fact that they're intercessors for your family for for faith for courage yeah, how are families not, I I pray that many families will will flood the shrine to ask for prayers to be witnesses of faith within the family, courage within the family, witnesses of heroic love. Like, what a beautiful experience and opportunity this is. Mm -hmm.
2: Yes, and I hope, as you said, that many families come, because if you come and see the photos, you'll see, you'll recognize your family in those photos. This is just, an ordinary family living in an extraordinary way. So, wow. if you come and see the photos of Victoria feeding the children, or of the children uh, going through their studies or playing, you can, you can. I think I can talk for myself as a mom of five children. I can see mm-hmm. my family there. I can recognize those moments. So, mm-hmm. I, I encourage all families to come and really be renewed in their mission as a family.
1: And even, I love that that scripture verse was underlined. I mean, the, the, the fact that scripture was read and prayed through, it was just, here, we have to be shaped, we have to grow in faith and as a family. And the fact that their parents were growing faith and the parents were exhibiting the faith, I'm sure they would have had to have a conversation with their children. I mean, can you and imagine I those conversations? For, yeah.
2: And I, and I think that for me, that's the, the biggest testimony that the my family gives of how you can mm-hmm. really be holy in the family, that really the family is the seed of of all other types of love.
1: Mm-hmm. And I love John Paul II's phrase, the future of the world passes through the human family. You know, mm-hmm. The future of the world passes through the human family. It's like you want to change the world, live it in your family, and we're already changing the world. I always thought that was a very powerful and moving moving quote. Uh, can you speak to how it, just this exhibit has Inspired you or made you think more deeply about your own following of the Lord and imitating
2: just the example of, of the call to holiness. Yeah. So as a, as I was saying, seeing that photos, you can. I, I'm being a mom of of five. I can see myself in those. I can see my family in those photos. I can recognize those moments, and it's very inspiring. And at the same time, it renews you to to be able to see how they, in spite of as you, as I as we said, they had seven children in the ninth years of marriage. So I can imagine as a mom of small children, this was a very active house, but they were still able to find the moments, right, to, to pray together. And and all that they were giving to their family and to their children was not in vain. And all the sacrifice that, even just being a mom and a dad with small children and or with big families or even with small families, it's very, as every mom can tell, it demands a lot of sacrifice. But the, the Uma family, shows us that this sacrifice is worth it and 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 it really can transform society
1: mm-hmm. and i can imagine joseph and victoria like speaking those words about jesus that children there's no greater love than this and that lay down one's life for one's friends and there are friends <laughs> and there are i mean they were friends <laughs> with, the Jew, with the jewish families it's like yes we will go into risk because this is what jesus would do you could imagine mm-hmm. the the faith and the courage of just that would be instilled from the mother and the father to the children, saying yes, this
2: and, is what we're willing to do, and teach their children to value every human being, every human person, and just and, and act on that right, and and be and act on that as well.
1: Mm-hmm. These are so the gift of we should never underestimate the gift of pilgrimages, you know, to take uh to to drive and especially on Sundays. But it could be even on free days or, or days off. But even to make a pilgrimage on a Sunday, to live Sunday well, to to be inspired and encouraged by faith, and to visit the the Saint John Paul the Second the Shrine, the National Shrine, and even the Basilica is right down there. So you can make it an extended visit. This is just a, a great great blessing. Is there any? Where would they if they wanted to get more information online? Where would they where would they go to?
2: Well, we have a website jp2shrine.org jp2. Uh, number 2 shrine.org and there you can find out about our times uh, as i said it's free to it's free to come it's free to worship free to learn about uh free to visit the exhibits the, the permanent exhibit that we have on John Paul II and the temporary exhibits such as this one that we are setting up for January 12th. and different events as well because we have different celebrations now that we are receiving the this display we are putting up this display and receiving this relic we are planning on a number of events, some of them geared especially for families, that we take the example of the UMA family as a center. As a center. So I would encourage you to, to go to the website and look at our, our hours, our, the address to come, our liturgy schedule, and even the events that we have, or even follow us in social media. We also have Instagram and Facebook accounts, JP2 Shrine.
1: wonderful. Wonderful. Well, we are blessed. Sophia, thank thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you, Father.
1: I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio. May God bless you.
3: I'm Chris Gunty of Catholic Review Media. We want to take this opportunity to thank Father Brian Nolan for his five and a half years as one of the regular hosts of Catholic Review Radio. His easygoing conversations with guests about spiritual topics and the faith have been a great help to our listeners. And he did all this while he was a university chaplain and then later as a pastor of parishes. As his workload has increased at a growing parish, he's stepping away from the microphone to focus on his parish family. If you have enjoyed Father Brian's shows, drop him a line to let him know how they have lifted up your faith by emailing radio at catholicreview.org and listen in the coming weeks to a special christmas eve show talking about the significance of the incarnation and our year-end wrap-up show with archbishop william e lori thanks for listening to catholic review radio
2: the catholic review is
1: the only publication in the archdiocese of baltimore that covers the catholic church full-time pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at
2: catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org.
3: Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.